Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, December 10th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, as COVID-19 cases continue to rise, the governor introduces new restrictions on social gatherings. Then, with coronavirus hospitalizations reaching an all-time high, we hear from a pandemic survivor whose recovery requires weeks in a hospital bed. Plus, in our book club, gift-giving recommendations from a Mississippi independent bookseller for everyone on your list who loves to read. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Coronavirus transmission in Mississippi continues to escalate with the state reaching a new daily high in reported COVID-19 cases three times in the last seven days. Yesterday, the Department of Health reported 2,746 cases, a new record high. With transmission at a rate more intense than the summer spike, Governor Tate Reeves says additional action and more buy-in are necessary until vaccines arrive. We're seeing a tremendous amount of COVID-19 spread across our country and across Mississippi. As I've been saying, this is a very dangerous time. We are close to a vaccine. We can see it in the near future, but we are not there yet. And we need to bridge the gap from today until that vaccine or those vaccines are readily available. Reeves is placing statewide restrictions on social gatherings, limiting indoor gatherings to 10 people and outdoor to 50. Residents in 61 of Mississippi's 82 counties are under a mask mandate, and masks continue to be required in public schools. Reeves says a new challenge residents must confront are the risks associated with indoor sports. I've always been a defender of the fact that it is necessary For these kids to have access to the structure and to the opportunity of athletics. I firmly believe that for a lot of kids around our state, playing ball is the primary reason they work so hard to keep their math grade up. Now, when they look back on it 20 years from now, they may determine that, hey, that probably wasn't that smart. But maintaining eligibility certainly is a motivating factor for ball players all across the state. Having said that, we do have to recognize that there is more risk to large indoor gatherings, such as basketball, than we had in those fall outdoor sports and activities. For that reason, we are going to limit indoor venues 
for K through 12 extracurricular events to the lesser of four spectators per student participant or 250 ticketed spectators in total. We're also going to add for other indoor arenas a limit to the lesser of 10% of the seating capacity of the arena or 1,000 attendees. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says this wave of transmission is being catalyzed by social events and gatherings. He continues to emphasize the importance of individual mitigation efforts until vaccines are readily available. If we look at um, where we are in transmission for coronavirus still, we're seeing uh, social events where people don't wear masks are the things that are most worrisome for transmission of coronavirus. We strongly support the use of masks in public settings whenever you're out and about, uh, regardless of what county you're in. But please remember, we catch coronavirus from people we know and from people we love. It's going to be at home around extended family. It's going to be um, in church and it's settings where we're not wearing masks routinely. So please, just for now, we're right at the cusp of having a significant number of vaccine and it looks to be an extremely effective and safe vaccines, so we're really excited about that. Dobbs also recognizes the skepticism associated with the vaccines. He says the case file for the clinical studies indicate normal vaccine-related side effects. He assures residents cannot get infected by the vaccine. You cannot catch coronavirus from the, from the coronavirus vaccine. There's no virus in it. It's just a, a simple piece of, uh, of RNA that teaches your body how to recognize coronavirus. Um, it, it, it is nanoparticles, which just means small particles. It doesn't mean anything more sinister. Nano just means small. So please be reassured. All it is is the little, little snippet of RNA and a little ball of fat so that you can give it to somebody, right? Um, if we gave you just the RNA, your body would chew it up before it had a chance to affect its immunologic function. Um, uh, but, of course, you know, we've all heard about the two instances of uh, allergic reactions um, in England, I haven't seen details of that. I'm not sure if it if it is in any way uh, similar to anything they saw in the phase three study. We look forward to additional information, um, but certainly we know anyone can have an allergic reaction. So we'll see how that plays out um, with their recommendation for people who have severe allergic conditions to uh, not receive it in England. But so far, you know, we'll wait and see what what the data shows and what CDC says about it. The heightened restrictions and messaging come as cases throughout the nation surge. Mitigation strategies vary state by state, but the consensus among health officials and professionals is that it is crucial, a crucial time to curb transmission. Governor Reeves is still reluctant to issue a statewide mask mandate. He says executive orders don't move mountains, and he expects spread of the virus no matter what. All of these measures are important. And I hope that the people of Mississippi will make an honest effort to participate in helping slow the spread. I truly believe that most Mississippians are doing just that. I signed this order because I think that all of these things will help. However, I do not believe that policy handed down from the state executives has the ability to move mountains. We're going to see spread of COVID-19 
and it's going to fluctuate. Whatever words we write on the page of an executive order. Announcing the new restrictions, Reeves advised residents do not hold gatherings this holiday season, but several parties are scheduled at the governor's mansion, including a gathering of state legislators. Reeves defended his position to host these parties. He says he expects many of the people who were invited won't attend and that there are ways to do things more safely. My message to everyone is um, you're my view is if, if you if we sat here and I signed a sheet of paper or um, or tried to convince you that look you get up you go to work you drive home and you do nothing else well people at that point I think are going to say well I just can't do that and so they they not only quit participating in in that they quit participating in everything and so what I what I'm trying to say to to the people is you know if you're going to do certain things. Um, there, there are ways in which to even do certain things, which may not be um, the highest priority list for, for Dr. Dobbs or the public health experts, but even if you're going to do certain things that they would prefer you not do, that there is a way to do it more safely than, than other things. As it was prior to Thanksgiving, Dr. Dobbs is cautioning residents over the dangers of social gatherings. He urges Mississippians to carefully consider their holiday plans. You know, having 10 folks over to having a beer, watch a football game, as much fun as that is, it's risky. Or having all your family come in from out of town and having, having dinner, it's, it's, it's risky. It's where we're finding transmission is in settings where people are not wearing masks. And, you know, and looking at the CDC studies, what it shows is that people who wear masks in public don't catch it in public. They catch it at home, which is not surprising. So right now, although I think masks are extremely important, it's really important to reinforce that message of, hey, let's let's um, pull back for a little bit. Because I, I really do think that if we can get enough vaccine out there, we can get through the holidays, I think we can round, we can round the corner on this thing. Um, but it's going to take a, a combination effort. If we can push it down, let our kids get back into school into, this, into the winter, right? We want our kids to have a successful start of school. So part of that is not letting it transmit in the holidays. Get some vaccine, especially in our vulnerable folks, so we're not going to overwhelm the health care system, right? So we're going to get that block of folks. You know, I'm, we're going to be dealing with this for a while, but I'm hoping what we're dealing with in January and February is quite a different situation than what we're dealing with right now. So I do have um, a good little a little bit of optimism. And I look forward to going out with my friends. I'm like the ultimate party killer. And so I won't go anywhere because, you know, I'm like the, um, you know, I'm like no one wants to have me anywhere and I wouldn't go anyway. Coming up, with coronavirus hospitalizations reaching an all-time high, we hear from a pandemic survivor whose recovery requires weeks in a hospital bed. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. During the last week of July, Brookhaven resident Terry Doremus was in an airport on her way to see her daughter in San Antonio when she noticed a seemingly mild headache. 
She always wore a mask and did the little things like wash her hands. So she didn't think much of it. On the night before she was supposed to return to Mississippi, more severe symptoms surfaced. A 103 degree fever, a burning in her throat, body aches. Instead of getting on a flight home with her 10 year old granddaughter, Terry was riding home in the back seat of her husband's car. In part one of our conversation, she shares how her COVID-19 infection led to weeks in a hospital bed. August 2nd, I went to the hospital, to the ER, and then I went again on August 4th, and that time they kept me, and I ended up being in King's Daughters Hospital for six days or something, and then they transferred me by ambulance to uh, University Hospital, and I was there for 26 days, I think. Um, It was six weeks Total. When you first went into the hospital in Brookhaven, what symptoms drove you to the hospital? Why did you think this, I have to go to the hospital now? Well, um, the first trip around, um, I was just continually running the high fever and no appetite. Um, I had not been out of the bed for days. Um, and I just thought, I'm not getting better. So I went in on the first day, on August the 2nd. And that's the day they treated me, and they took a chest X-ray, and my lungs showed some um, of the virus in my lungs, but it wasn't just covered. So they let me go home, and um, then on uh, Tuesday after that, August 4th, I went back because I could not breathe. I was just wheezing and panting for breath. So at that point... They put me on oxygen, and I still uh, have to use oxygen um, periodically, even now. When you said you were panting and wheezing, so you couldn't take deep breaths in? Did you feel like you weren't getting any air into your airways? Right. I I felt like I was trying to breathe in, but it it wasn't uh, enough. I didn't feel like it was enough to, uh, you know, work to to keep me alive, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like I just, I couldn't get air through my body. At any point, were you on a ventilator? No. Um, they, I was in the ICU at UNC, and I was watching all the monitors, and I could tell that, they were having to increase everything that they were giving me as the days went by. And I thought, um, one day I was looking at the monitor and I saw that it said a hundred percent. And I thought, Oh my goodness, that's it. You know, they're giving me everything they can give me. There's nothing else left except to do the ventilator. And I did not know that they were discussing this with my daughter and my husband. Um, at the same time to, to make the decision whether to do that or not. And people were praying everywhere. My husband's a minister. And so my mother has a prayer chain and people were just praying that I didn't even know about. And at that very moment, I just took a turn for the better and they did not have to put the ventilator in. How far into your hospitalization did that happen? That was um, probably about, halfway through the ICU week. Now, was anybody allowed to visit you at any point? Um, 
no family could visit me until I was on the non-COVID floor, which I'd been in the hospital by then um, probably two and a half weeks before anyone could ever see me. In the weeks following the doctor's decision that you didn't have to be put on a ventilator, what was happening with your recovery? Were you in the hospital so long because your oxygen wasn't staying at the level it needed to? Correct. Um, my oxygen saturation levels were um, pretty regularly below 90 and in the 80s and even sometimes into the 70s. And, um, you know, that's just not safe. And they have to monitor you. And um, I, I was struggling to breathe and um, they were adjusting the uh, oxygen that they were giving me daily, you know, according to uh, my needs. And um, since I'd been on my back and in the bed for so long, um, I couldn't even walk. Um, I had my muscles, I guess, had atrophied or something. And um, so physical therapy was coming in to just help me, you know, learn to get myself to sit on the side of the bed again. That was the first day of therapy, just sitting on the side of the bed. And um, it was such a traumatic experience. They said, okay, that's all we're going to do today. We're just going to sit on the side of the bed. Was your head just swimming when you sat up? um, A little bit. And I was um, just so weak that my legs couldn't hold me up. And um, so they were having to have a person on each side to, you know, support me. I'm not a real big person, um, but, you know, just the awkwardness of managing to hold another person up. You, you just need two people. And um, so they would come in pairs to help me get on each side and um just help me learn to get to the bedside toilet. You know, that was probably one of the first milestones for me. Um, and uh, they had had a catheter in forever, it seemed like. And so when that came out, I had to learn to get up. And um, so it was just very traumatic. And any change in my position or talking or exertion caused me to cough and then the coughing caused me to uh, not be able to breathe well and then I went into a panic and anxiety attack and it was just like a cycle Um, and you know they had to kind of do a little bit of a um, therapy with just calming me down after movement. Terry Doremus of Brookhaven in part two of our conversation. When they did the pulmonary lung function test, I was still deficient and I don't have full lung capacity. That'll be tomorrow in Mississippi edition. Coming up in our book club, gift giving recommendations from a Mississippi independent bookseller for everyone on your list who loves to read. This is Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. Parents and teachers, everything you need to know about MPB Classroom TV can be found online at education.mpbonline.org.
The site includes videos of lessons being taught, a program schedule, a how-to-watch guide, and more. Check it out to discover content that can benefit the students in your life. Visit education.mpbonline.org today. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. If you have one of those people on your gift list impossible to shop for, you might want to consider a book. Mississippi is rich with talented and notable best-selling authors. Shelby Gorman with Turnrow Books in Greenwood has some recommendations. But first, she tells us that when she became the manager of the bookstore earlier this year, the timing couldn't have been worse. And I was like, okay, so I'm in charge now. And it was so funny because the first month I was in charge on my own was March. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but oh, I know no. when the pandemic, like, hit full force. And, and everything so, shut down. So you were, you were shut yeah. down. So not only was I doing it on my own for the first time, but also I was trying to figure out how to do it. Everything's closed. How do I keep sales going and keep it going? I feel like it's a great experience, too, just to know that, okay, hopefully it can only go up from here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe I've done the hardest bit. Well, um, maybe. so you were shut down in the beginning. And yep. how did you make a go of it? Did you rely on online sales? Did you do virtual events? What happened? We canceled all of our events, which is so sad. But I, I was able to like meet up with a few authors to get them to sign the book for me so that we at least had our copies signed. We love having signed copies. It just adds that personal touch. And so I was able to do that, and I, a lot of promoting web sales and promoting, like, pickups, we did a ton of that. And even me, like, offering free shipping to local people, which was me driving to people's homes and dropping books off on their doorstep. (laughs) Just a lot of getting out there to our community. And now I want to switch gears and talk about holiday gift giving. What are people buying? Do they buy bestsellers? Are they looking for books about Mississippi or or written by Mississippians? We love Mississippi books. I think that Mississippi has some of the most talented writers still. So I think those are probably our bestsellers for sure. I would say that right now either, oh, goodness, it would be a toss-up between the Grisham, the new Grisham, Happy Land, or the Deepest South of All. Those three are like, what's doing really well for us, and I love them all. But my number one, I think, for this year was probably I love cookbooks, and I'm a huge fan of Martha Foose. And so I loved her newest, A Good Meal is Hard to Find. Oh, my goodness. And a Mississippi cook as well. So that's great. Yeah. What books do you recommend for young children or older children, teenagers? The Couch Potato by Jory John and Pete Oswald. That one is really fun, especially for right now, like encouraging people to to not just be a couch potato, even though we're quarantined at home. (laughs) What ages is that appropriate Uh, for? uh, I would say that one's probably for younger. Uh, It's a picture book, so it would be, I would, I mean, I would guess. Preschoolers. Yeah, yeah, two to four or five. Mm -hmm. I think for young adults, I think that the Adventures of Dogman, I believe, I think those are a lot of fun. And uh, then I think good gift books, 
would be, I'm really obsessed with Dolly Parton's song teller book right now. I think it's so beautiful. It's her life and lyrics. I think that is a perfect gift for all kinds of ages. Another local book, Words Are Like Magic by Emily Moore and Kristen Lay of Jackson, I believe they're in Jackson. And theirs is another good gift book. It's really lovely. Um, for, I believe she asked a lot of her friends or people that she knew, like, what are that have gone through difficult things or gone through anything, and just asked them what were words of encouragement that helped you the most. And I'm going to give you one book that I'm looking forward to. Oh, yes, please. To. I thought that would be fun. I'm really looking forward to Michael Fairsmith, who we love. And he's out of Oxford, Mississippi, so another local. He has a new book coming out called Nick. I'm a huge fan of The Great Gatsby. And so it's on Nick and The Great Gatsby, his backstory. Nick so Carraway, really yes. yes, indeed. And it comes out in January, I believe. You've offered some great suggestions. I appreciate that. We've been talking with Shelby Gorman. She is the manager of Turnrow Books in Greenwood. Shelby, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter, and fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.